Welcome to NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Rob's having a well deserved weekend off and probably a lie down as well, as we'll find out later on, especially after his exertions over the last week. So, joining me, we have as always Mr. Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. Um, nice to see you back in the hot seat. He was uh, he was out on his travels yesterday. We'll find out where later on. Another man who was on his travels, not watching Torquay, but he was watching a, a proper team and all the shot. It was Joe Pope. Yeah. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Nice to be out at some football yesterday and some late drama to talk about. So another action-packed week in the National League, and it is Chesterfield who move 11 points clear with a game in hand. They had two more wins this week. On Tuesday, they won 2-0 away at Managerless Woking with goals from Scott Quigley and Armando Dobra. And then they won 3-2 at home on Saturday versus Eastley. All the goals in the second half. Chesterfield went 2-0 up through goals. Two goals in three minutes from Will Grigg and Ollie Banks. And indeed, they led by three goals to nil. It was ended up being two goals from Ollie Banks for Paul McCallum and Scott Quigley pulled a goal back for Eastley. And uh, ironic as well, Dick, is that uh, <laughs> there's a just stop Ollie banner up at the minute, Chesterfield. But he's, um, well, he's certainly not gluing himself to the road, is he? <laughs> no, uh, they're having trouble restraining him at the moment. Um, uh, a peaceful protest clearly doesn't work against Ollie Banks. Two goals yesterday. Um, and yeah, yeah, perfect timing for that banner to surface on social media this week. Very clever, I have to say. Eastley will have a, another game in hand after next weekend as they're in FA Cup action hosting Leighton Orient. But Eastley, funny old team, aren't they, this season, Joe? They, they seem quite inconsistent. Yeah, um, you know, they have improved recently under Richard Hill. Um, Paul McCallum, obviously, in good form. Uh, same with Chris Maguire. Um, and I think they'll be in and around the playoffs. It's, as you said, whether they can find that consistency as to whether they turn their good form into actual playoff-worthy form. Um, so, yeah, certainly they've got to tighten up the defence. There's another three goals shipped yesterday. Bromley move up into second. They won at Hartlepool on Saturday. There was two Michael Cheat goals in the second... In the, two Michael Cheat goals in the first half, and Manny Ducerive got one back early in the second half. But it was the Ravens who spread their wings further with goals from Krahaus and Olamola, and that was a response that Andy Woodman would have wanted, wouldn't it? After the collapse against Aldershot, they were turning up in no time. And uh, I know Rob exchanged messages with Callum Reynolds, and Callum Reynolds was like, "Well, I thought we were going to do what Aldershot did to Swindon and be like seven 0 up after an hour." But no, it wasn't to be. As Aldershot fought the way back in, Byron Webster was also dismissed in the seventy-seventh minute, and then Kobe Rowe scored in the fourteenth of fifteen added minutes, and. Uh, it was fair to say, Joe and Dickie, that Rob was buzzing for about 24 hours, wasn't he? He was like Tigger. Yeah, and if, he, uh, if he'd if he have calmed down after Tuesday, then uh, he'll be back buzzing again after uh, the weekend, um, obviously at the EBB yesterday. And uh, yeah, it just goes to show the belief in this uh, older shot team now, which they've got, you know, to go away to a team um, sitting uh, in the top couple of places in Bromley to go 2-0 down after three minutes and then to actually win the game, um, not content with the point, just goes to show the, the confidence that Tommy Widrington's instilled. Yeah, I mean, uh, just a quick word on, on Bromley, Joe. I mean, um, 
really good response. And when you lose like that in the last minute, it can really not belief and confidence, but it was a really good response by Bromley, especially with a really long trip like that up to Hartlepool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Andy Woodman uh, wasn't exactly uh, mincing his words on Tuesday night. Um, obviously pleased with their their, their early uh, showing in the game, but then to to collapse in the way that they did, obviously Byron Webster being sent off, bit of an uncharacteristic uh, display from him. So they'd have been really pleased with that against uh, a Hartlepool team that will probably still be in and around the playoffs, even if they aren't playing uh, very well at the moment. So, uh, yeah, good to get back to winning ways. I see a goal for Ben Crowhouse. He scored. Uh, he signed a new deal this week uh, with the club. So that will be a good week for him all round. Dickie, you saw Hartlepool on Tuesday at Kidderminster. It was a 1-1 draw. And then, as I mentioned, they lost there. And uh, still no clean sheet for John Askey since he took over at the pools. No, um, and he is trying to shuffle things around there. There have been some uh, comings and goings in the Hartlepool side. He was lamenting on Tuesday evening their inability to defend set pieces. They took a lead at Kinnaminster um, very easily, I have to say. They were up um, as early as the seventh minute, but yeah, they fell asleep at a set piece. Um, and Amari Morgan-Smith snuck in with a really good header at the near post, I have to say. And then it remained, uh, I wouldn't say stalemate. It was a fairly good one, one from that point onwards. I think there are opportunities for both sides. Um but it's clear that 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 John Askey isn't, you know, happy about um, all of the assets that he's got at his disposal there. That if he can, you know, he'd like to try and shovel things around a bit more and bring in some um, some different players. Yeah, it's Barnet it are in third, but it's back to back defeats for them. They were thumped four one at home to Oldham, who. Oh, I mean, Oldham weren't amazing. Barnet shot themselves in the foot. It's fair to say on Wednesday they, they lost that game at home 4-1 and then it was a dramatic derby at Wealdstone it took the lead Barnet through Joel Akimo who Kevin Watson called the nicest man in football he scored on 13 minutes Jack Cook equalised for Wealdstone on the 16th minute Nicky Gabamba restored the lead on 27 before Cook got his second on 50 minutes and then in the eighth minute of stoppage time Charlie Barker scored the winner which uh caused Chris Woods to send out a tweet this morning to say, remain professional. Oh no, as he screamed down the, the microphone, <laughs> obviously doing the commentary for National League TV. But uh, a bit of a chastening week that for Barnett, Joe. Yeah, it will certainly be a, a concern for Dean Brennan. You know, four defeats on the bounce now in the National League. Um, and everyone seemed to think that it would be sort of a two-horse race for the title. But I think one of those horses has just fallen at the fence. Um, you know, Barnett, obviously... To now lose four on the bounce is, is a concern. Uh, the worrying thing for me is that I, obviously they fell short last season and I'm starting to see some signs of last season creeping into their game, you know, conceding a lot of goals, seven in a week they've shipped. And I don't know why Dean Brennan has decided to start shoehorning strikers into the team. You know, at the start of the season, they were doing really well with Nicky Kabamba leading the line on his own. And the last two games, he's just tried to shoehorn a extra striker into the team, which didn't work last year when they tried to do the same with Harry Smith. So, um, yeah, he, he really needs to start learning from uh, what they went or what did what they did wrong last year. Solihull Moors couldn't make up ground either on Barnet. They have had back-to-back defeats now as well. They lost on Tuesday two one at home to Gateshead, and then were absolutely thumped at Altrincham on Saturday, Dicky. Yeah, they were um, a, a score of six-one. wasn't uh, anything that uh, 
any of us saw coming, I don't think. And, and Solihull's form is uh, fairly poor at the moment. I think that's they've got a couple of wins in their last six, but it is three defeats uh, on the bounce, including, uh, well, Maidenhead, the Gateshead one you mentioned there. And yeah, Altrincham ran riot against them yesterday. Um, Altrincham, uh, they strengthened a little on Friday. They brought in Marcus Dackers on loan um, from Salford City. Uh, he got a goal on his debut yesterday. In fact, it was him that got them underway in the 12th minute. Uh, Justin Amaluza and Chris Con-Clark had them 3-0 up by half-time. Alex Newby added a fourth. Amaluza then got his second goal of the game, the fifth and 75 minutes. Cade Craig did get a goal back for Solihull, but merely a consolation. And Regan Linney with a goal in the fourth minute of injury time. Uh, yeah, means that Altrincham took the first set 6-1. So, uh, yeah, we'll see who if we, whether it goes with serve in the second set. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh... We'll see that. Or will they need new balls? We'll have a look. Um, you were we mentioned all the shot earlier, Joe, um, about their dramatic late winner at Bramley. And it was a dramatic late winner on Saturday as well. You, you, as I say, you saw that game against Halifax. Yeah, I was. I was at the EBB yesterday, um, and in truth, it probably should have been a, a point uh, for both sides. I think that probably would have been the fair result. Um, Although, as I said to you before this, I think if any of the two teams was to win it, then I would have put my money on Aldershot. They were probing the better of the two. Um, I went into the game actually expecting to see Josh Stokes run the show, um, and he uh, was certainly uh, kept very quiet on the afternoon. Uh, Hot, oh, sorry, Halifax certainly did their homework uh, on him. Uh, Tommy Widgerton said after the game that the referee allowed the best player in the division to be kicked off the park. Um, but it was Laurent Tollage that ended up getting the winner for a shot in the, the 98th minute. They like a late goal this week. And uh, yeah, certainly uh, a, a good win for them against a team that's just uh, a point behind them going into the day. Um, so yeah, a really good win for them. Um, and I think uh, Rob's... Uh, Rob certainly had a, a good week of it as a, a shots fan. Two wins against two playoff rivals. Gates said they're, they're in fifth. The, the loss of Mike Williamson hasn't really affected them. I mean, they had that defeat at Yeovil in the FA Cup where Rob Elliott was quite scathed and said he was going to refund the fans. And since then, they've bounced back. They've been unbeaten. And they continued that unbeaten run, albeit it was only a point against South End. But uh, Gates said they're having a, a brilliant season, aren't they, Dickie? They are, yeah, and and you know the the fact that they've they appear to be withstanding the loss of Mike Williamson. I think that again speaks um, volumes for the job that Mike Williamson did in what he's put in place um, has been able to, uh, you know, Rob Elliott's been able to pick that up and run with it um, quite. I wouldn't say easily, and I'm sure he's finding it. Uh, there are challenges in his first uh, his job in management, but yeah, they they are withstanding that very well. They had a goal from Stephen Wynn yesterday. Uh, Harry Cardwell did equalise for Southend, rewarding their fans. He made something like a 600 mile round trip all the way up to the northeast to see their team, and uh, a big credit to them um, for that one. Yeah, they had a two one win in midweek as well. Um, I think Wayne was on target again in that game when they won at Solihull. We mentioned it there. Uh, he was Greg Ollie also on target. Um, and a goal from Josh Kelly late on first Solihull, just merely a consolation. But yeah, Gates said definitely with how they're looking at the moment. I mean, we're 36 points from 21 games. Um, if we talk about the, you know, 
40 point 50 point mark whatever they're going to be there soon and the the sooner you get to that the sooner that you can sort of readjust your sights as to what's achievable you know over the second half of the season i definitely think gates said you'll be looking at a playoff spot three wins in four now for rochdale following their two on win at dagenham and they're just outside the playoffs and considering that we thought well rochdale were being a bit underwhelming the, i once said peaking at the right time because there's still plenty of uh Still plenty of football to be played, but it's looking a lot better for them, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, I suppose the, the thing we've seen with teams that come down uh, to the National League from the Football League is sometimes, um, you know, underestimating the strength of the National League and then sometimes thinking that a team that's been relegated from uh, uh, the EFL will, will just easily sort of like slot in in this division and do well. Um, Rochdale... Uh, I don't think they fell into that trap, but they, you know, they've they've had um, some challenges. I would say, um, I mean, a good three 0 win against Altrincham in in midweek. We can see from the Altrincham result yesterday that's not an easy one uh, to achieve. There were two goals in that game for Ryan East, one for Cairo Mitchell. He's a player who knows this level uh, very well, of course. Um, and then, yeah, um, at it again yesterday. Um, Rochdale with a 2-1 win at Dagenham who just don't seem to be able to get it going it's I dare say it's almost kind of typical Dagenham and Redbridge really in that you know that they they are capable but they just don't do it consistently um and then yeah looking at this one yesterday there were goals from uh Kean Hayes and Ian Henderson the veteran Ian Henderson had them 2-0 up Frank Vincent did get a goal back for Dagenham and Redbridge but not enough so yeah on the way back to Lancashire with three points yeah and these two sides Joe I mean Rochdale They've not changed a lot of the squad from the squad that got relegated from the EFL, but it is a young squad and you feel that maybe it's taken them time to adapt. And then Dagenham and Redbridge just are underwhelming at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, um, I think uh, Jim McNulty has done a really good job uh, at, at Rochdale. Um, I think we, I, I mentioned in the summer that I thought he'd brought in a lot of young players and perhaps their squad was a little bit too young. Uh, but the fact he's been able to keep one or two really experienced players in that squad has helped. Uh, obviously, Henderson on the score sheet yesterday. Um, and I've been quite impressed with them. We, saw, we also sometimes see teams come down from the EFL and struggle to adapt to the National League. But, but they, they'll be pleased uh, with where they are at this moment in time. As for Dagenham, yeah, the, Ben Strevens had a big job in the summer to try and rebuild that team. Lots of departures. Um, one of his uh, new incomings, uh, Frank Vincent, scored yesterday. But uh, yeah, they're, they're blow hot and cold at the moment. Down at the bottom, a huge win for Boreham Wood, ending that winless run. And the, they had to do it in dramatic style as well. They had to come from behind. They were 2-0 down after just 16 minutes at home to Woking, Reese Grego Cox had them on the score sheet after 10 minutes with, from the penalty spot. And then Reese Brown had them 2-0 up on at 16 minutes. But then goals from Angelo Balanta, two from Tyrell Marsh and Tom Whelan saw them get the three points. And that's a massive boost for Luke Garrard, isn't it? Massive win. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that certainly when they were 2-0 down inside a quarter of an hour, uh, he would have been fearing the worst. Um, and we heard the commentary uh, coming in uh, from that game. Uh, and when it got to 2-0, I was thinking, you know, could this be a really difficult afternoon flute guard and one where potentially we could be asking questions as to his future. But he turned it around and uh, obviously uh, 
key that they got back uh, within a goal before half time, and then a really good uh, second half performance from his team. Um, and that just goes to show, you know, Woking in a nutshell at the moment, I think, you know, they've got the quality in their team to be a threat, but then the, the mentality is not there at the moment. And, you know, once they can see one, they then can see two and three and four. So, um, yeah, a really much needed win for, for Luke Garrard. A candidate for result of the day potentially is uh, Ebsfleet winning 4-1 away at Oldham. I mean, Ebsfleet, again, they haven't been on, on the best run of farm, have they? That's their first win in a long, long time since the 30th of September when they beat Boreham Woods. So to go away and pull that result at Oldham, who, as we mentioned, uh, won 4-1 away at Barnet. I mean, maybe the argument could be that Oldham played 24 hours later than everyone, but uh, it was a goal from Greg Cundall. Had them ahead at half time. James Norwood equalised from the penalty spot. And then Dominic Polion, Nathan Odonkongiero, and Dominic Samuel saw them win by four goals to one. Yeah, um, uh, incredible scoreline this one. This was certainly one that took me by surprise when I was um, uh, watching the scores come through yesterday. And yeah, you might have a point about the fact that Oldham played on Wednesday evening, but they were at home yesterday. So they did, uh, you know, have the advantage of once they'd got back um, from from their travels to, to Barnet on Wednesday that they, they have been at home. Um, and then, you know, buoyed by a 4-1 win away at Barnet, you would have expected better from from Oldham and that um, I know there's been some additional publicity uh, this week for their owner for his uh, his cross channel or not cross channel cross Atlantic row that he's undertaking for the Alzheimer's Society. Well, it was his own team that was all at sea yesterday. Unfortunately, um, I think Polion coming back for uh, Ebsley is big. We spoke about this. I think Aaron McLean mentioned it when we had him on the podcast recently, saying that you know with the goals he scored and the importance he has to the team, he's been a big big miss for them. Um, and again, it just goes to show the unpredictability of this league, doesn't it? You know, something there which almost kind of looked like a home banker ends up being a 4-1 win for the away side. Yeah, I bet Frank Rothwell wishes he was in the middle of the Atlantic at the minute after that result. <laughs> uh, I might be wanting to put the team in the middle of the Atlantic after that one yesterday, minus the boat. <laughs> Two teams down in the relegation zone cancelled each other out. Oxford City and Kidderminster Oxford City were 2-0 up. But Kidderminster pegged them back. And as I say, you saw Kidderminster on Tuesday, Dickie, and the two good draws, I suppose, especially coming from behind in, in both of those games. But it's wins that they'll really want, isn't it? I, I think those results are uh, give some suggestion. Well, not some suggestion. I think that there is there's some character in that Kidderminster side. Um, but what there isn't at the moment is enough quality and enough goals, really. Um, I did see them on Tuesday evening. I thought they performed fairly well against Hartlepool. And certainly after the game... Um, uh, I had a very brief word uh, with Amari Morgan-Smith, who was on target in that game on Tuesday night. He was on target again yesterday, him and Ashley Hemmings, um, who I know Kidderminster are pleased to have back in their lineup. They were looking at this game yesterday against another team that had come up into the National League this season as one that they... Um, I think it seems like they're being realistic that, you know, they need to win the games against the teams that are around them at the bottom to get out of trouble. It certainly didn't look like they were going to do that when they were 2-0 down um, within the first half an hour or so. Andre Burley and then uh, Ollie Sanderson with goals for them. But as you say, Hemmings got one back before half time. Morgan Smith levelled early in the second half. Um, 
I think the big miss for Kidderminster, we've seen the Shane Burns been missing first game of the season. Again, I had a quick word with him. He's due back in the next few weeks. They're missing Joe Leasley, another experienced campaigner. They look a bit lightweight in the midfield, I would say. Um, they, they've got players of ability in there, but that they just seemed like they were pushed around a little bit at times. Um, and I think they'd need players with the nose of, of those I've just mentioned back in the side if they're going to make a, a fist to getting out of this relegation trouble that they're in. Although we saw last year, Kinderminster were kind of bottom half, weren't they, this stage in the National League North, and then they had a really strong end to the season. So like you say, if they get the experienced players back, you could maybe see them push on the R. It looks ominous because they're only on 16 points, but they're only six points off that last, um, just outside the relegation spot. Woking are, are occupying 20th at the minute, and they're there basically on goal difference ahead of Ebsleet. Yeah, they're just going to make sure that the gap doesn't grow any bigger, really, because the, the the bigger that gap gets, the more that you you know you're counting on or needing to get results, and also needing other people to fail in order to catch up. So they mustn't let the gap get any bigger. As I said, the, the two positive draws um, after a, a run of defeats. I do think the players um, are playing for Russ Pan. I do think they they you know are behind their manager, but they have been beset by some pretty awful injury problems um, and they're just finding the adjustment to this this league tough. I mean, I, I spoke to Harris Media man Matt Paddock at the game on, on Tuesday as well. I know he said to me, this is a completely different league to the one we left a few years ago, you know, when Harry has dropped out of the National League to, to, to how it is now. He said the professionalism is that much higher, the standard is that much higher um, and he said he, he he thought it would be a struggle this season, but he didn't think it would be this much of a struggle. Um, clearly, we hope that they can turn it round because, as I say, Russ Penn is a, a big friend to us on this podcast and we don't like to see him struggling. But, you know, somebody's got to be bottom, haven't they? Now, the early kickoff was between Fylde and Darkin. And did we expect anything less than loads of goals <laughs> in that one? A six-goal thriller. Yeah, um, I actually watched the game um, whilst uh, I was at the... Uh, Heading to Aldershot uh, versus Halifax, and uh, yeah, a bit of a sort of topsy turvy game. Uh, two goals in the opening six minutes. Um, lovely bit of play from Nick Horton. Uh, Rob was only uh, waxing lyrical alongside me about what he can do, and then a moment later, he then weaved through the uh, Dorking defence and slotted home. Um, and then a scrappy goal from from Dorking, a header which we don't really see uh, from them. Uh, but filed uh, two goals within five minutes around the half-hour mark, uh, one from Luke Charman and one from John Ustabashi. Um, and it looked as if that was pretty much plain sailing for them. But uh, Dorgan, they they find a way to, to get back into the game and uh, score with 20 minutes remaining through Taylor uh, and then managed to, to get a point uh, through McShane. And Mark White said after the game, he said it's a good point. He said because we're still decimated with injuries. Um, so I think it's a point gained for them and certainly uh, two dropped for for Fylde, who'd be disappointed that against the team in and around them near the bottom, they couldn't hold on for um, all three points, especially given that apparently they had lots of chances in that game. Harrison Mail had a brilliant performance, uh, conceded three goals and yet still got TNT Sports man of the match. Uh, so, uh, yeah, disappointing afternoon for Fylde. And props as well to Chris Breach, the foul manager, who wore, who didn't wear a coat throughout the whole game, just had a jumper on, which, which considering how cold it was yesterday, a fair play, he's a hardened northerner. <laughs> 
Especially on that filed coast with that wind, blimey. Oh, it is so cold at fire, literally. I mean, it's a lovely stadium, but the main stand that you're in is very open to the elements. And if I know where the dugouts are, he stood right in front of that one. Um, if he's trying to, um, you know, there's some symbolism in that, or he's maybe trying to give a message to his players or something like that, that uh, you know, about him. It's, it, it makes me think about Vladimir Putin um, riding horses bareback and things like that, sort of like trying to give off this hard man image slightly. So, uh, yes, uh, not a comparison that's been made previously, I don't think, between Chris Beach and Vladimir Putin, but uh, this is an helpful time. Who knows what you're going to get? <laughs> Moving swiftly on the final game, Maidenheading York. Finished 1-1. York were down to 10 and after just 19 minutes, Alex Woodyard was sent off. And the scoring happened in the last 20 minutes. Ashley Nathaniel George put Maidenhead ahead. And he'd have thought with the extra man advantage, they may well go on and get the three points. But Callum Howe stepped up four minutes from time to rescue a point for Neil Isley's side. A point which does neither side either good, really. No, not particularly. I mean, it's 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 a good point in context for York, um, given that they were down to ten men and to score late on that will feel, um, you know, that that will do a good things for the spirit in the camp that they that they've done that. I know there was some unhappiness about the red card that was shown to Woodyard, in that a lot of um, people observing that game didn't feel that it was a red card, but look. We can argue about that till the cows come home. The fact is that he was dismissed and that they had to play the rest of the game with 10 and they managed to get something out of it. And, you know, Maidenhead uh, is often a graveyard for teams with big aspirations and, and big money, dare I say it. I'm sure it was a game that Maidenhead would have been looking at and thinking, this is our chance to to bloody the nose of another uh, team that might fancy themselves a little bit. They'll be disappointed they didn't hold on. Certainly feels like it's probably a better point for York than it is Maidenhead in the circuit. Circumstances. So let's move a division below and look at the National League South. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work. Even for quick reply, affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. And in the National League South, I mean, uh, it's really interesting day once again. And, and Yeovil, since we've had Sheridan Robbins on, uh, Yeovil, haven't won. <laughs> Yeovil haven't won. And uh, they got absolutely thumped in what was a, a really surprising result down at, well, at Welling. A hat-trick for Tristan Abrahams in a 4-1 victory. Yeah, um, it uh, might well be the curse of the NL full-time pod for Sheridan. Oh, Sheridan. She, won't be... um, she scrubbed us off her list, I think. <laughs> yeah, she won't want to come on anytime soon after three defeats uh, in a row or three games without a win uh, for Yeovil now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, Danny Blur was really, really uh, positive after the game, as you would be 4-1 win against the, the league leaders, who he still said would win the, the league at a canter. Um, and it looked as if it was going to be just another one of those afternoons for Yeovil, which they saw a really convincing win, took the lead after 15 minutes through Jordan Young, had a chance soon after that to make it 2-0. Um, but yeah, Wellin managed to get back into it. Kane Adom, he's scored a couple of goals recently, really impressed by by him, uh, formerly of Aldershot. Um, and then, yeah, a hat-trick for, for Tristan Abrahams against his former side, I believe. Uh, a hat-trick within 15 minutes in the second half and um, 
it's uh, it was ironic because of all the games uh, so far this season, Danny Blue has been really upbeat and giving his up the wings after all of the games. And yet the one game where they beat Yeovil, he didn't do the up the wings. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, a really good performance for them. And uh, Mark Cooper was actually uh, quite level-headed after and said um, it's a reminder that his team can't uh, take their foot off the gas. Yeah, Tristan Amans is only 24, but he's on to his uh, nearly into double figures in terms of clubs already. So hopefully he's going to lay down some roots at Welling. Uh, Averley are in second, a 1-1 draw away at Weymouth. And uh, it was looking good for them until five minutes from time when an on goal from Charlie, Hugh, from Charlie Hughes pegged them back and uh, ended up a share of the spoils down there at Weymouth. Yeah, um, Danny Scopes would be really disappointed. Um, pleased that they managed to get a point on the road, because they often say if you win your home games and draw your away games, but the fact that they were, uh, were in the lead until five minutes to go um, will be disappointing that they didn't take all three, especially uh, on a day where the teams around the top, as we'll, as we'll go on to talk about, all drop points. Um, so, uh, yeah, a, a, good, a good day in terms of a, another point um, but uh, disappointing that it wasn't three. Yeah, and in third uh, is Hampton and Richmond Borough. And our, our good friend Tom Lang, I noticed he, uh, he did the chipping and part run on Saturday morning and he'll have been pleased at how Hampton and Richmond Borough raced into the lead down there as well. Mason Bloomfield after just four minutes and then Jordan Thomas on 26. Chippenham got a consolation through Dan Ellison uh, a minute from time. But I know early in the season, you, you, you feared for Hampton and Richmond, didn't you, Joe? All of a sudden, they're in third. Yeah, well, it just goes to show what a bit of, you know, a bit of momentum uh, does for your team. Um, you know, a couple of wins and they really are motoring now. Um, good win yesterday at Chippenham, who all accounts pay really well in midweek uh, in drawing against Yeovil. Um, so, yeah, good win for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, Mel Gwinnett's uh, turned it around uh, there because I, I was fearful at the start, um, given their poor form. But, uh, yeah, doing all right now. It's, it's really tight in that... Um playoff spot between Avery in second and Chelmsford in ninth. Only five points separate those teams. In fourth or fifth are Bath and Maidstone. Maidstone lost 3-2 away at St Albans and Bath drew 2-2 at Farnborough. Uh, what do you make of those two results? Yeah, well, the Looking at the Maidstone game, certainly surprised by that one because uh, St Albans haven't been in the best of form. Um, so a massive win for them. Um, I kind of had to refresh my vidi printer this one because there wasn't a goal for Levi Amanchi this weekend. Um, so, uh, yeah, a disappointing uh, game for them, especially to, to turn it round from a goal down and then to still lose the game. Um, Sean Jeffers back on the score sheet would be a welcome sight. And, um, yeah, as for, for Bath... Um, they managed to come from a goal uh, goal down. Uh, Elliot Freer cancelling out a goal from Cullen uh, before Aaron Cool uh, got them uh, Farnborough back in front uh, from the penalty spot before Jack Batten uh, got uh, the equaliser with 20 minutes remaining. And uh, good point for Bath on the road against the Farnborough side who would have been wanting to try and get back to winning ways after two disappointing results. Interesting as well, that St Albans game uh, opening the scoring was a G Hoddle and uh, he's the second cousin of Glenn Hoddle, so there we go. Interesting fact for you and uh, a bit of magic there and he helped his team on the way to win that game. Braintree, they're in the last playoff spot. Um, a bad day for them, no down at Scotty Davis's slough, well beaten 
there. Slough a really good run at the minute. And uh, Worthing drew 1-1 at Taunton. Greg Lur had them ahead on 71 minutes. And again, a late goal pegged them back. Dylan Morgan scoring there for Taunton. Yeah, well, on the Slough, uh, Slough game, really good win for, for Slough. Um, and uh, I think that's 10 unbeaten now, I saw from Scotty, uh, for Slough at home. So uh, really, really good uh, run of games for them. Um, goals from Goddard, Minas and Platt uh, against a Braintree team who've been in good form. And uh, yeah, for Worthing, um, they're kind of blown hot and cold of late. Um, really impressive them at the start of the season, but they're, they're struggling to win games with the efficiency that they, they were in the early part um, to not hold on yesterday after taking the lead uh, through Greg Lua. Um, Taunton obviously have got a good home record and a difficult team to break down so uh, not wholly surprising that Taunton managed to grind something out there. Just outside the playoffs on goal difference are Tombridge they uh, handed Haven and Waterlooville another defeat. James Roberts was sent off for Haven and Waterlooville in the 28th minute for two yellow cards all the scoring took place in the second half. Lewis Gard, Jordan Greenwich and then two goals for Tariq Hines in stoppage time. It was Kieran Phillips on the score sheet for having a Waterlooville. And uh, differing fortunes for these two clubs, Joe. Yes, yeah, certainly different fortunes. Um, Tom Bridgange was a really improved of late. Um, and uh, another goal from Lewis Gard from the penalty spot. He must be on to nearly double figures now for him. Really good season from the midfielder. Uh, two goals late on for Hines and then a goal for Greenwich, who obviously returned to the club recently. Uh, he's been in good form. As for having a Waterlooville, well, they just haven't got going under Steve King, have they? You know, when when a manager of that experience comes in, um, you have to wonder, you know, what what is going on behind the scenes that they continue to struggle like they are. Um, I thought it was apt that Kidderminster Harry is uh, saying that they can't score, and yet all the people that they're loaning out go and score. Uh, Kieran Phillips with a goal yesterday, so. Um, yeah, uh, a really disappointing afternoon for, for Steve King and uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of work to do there if they're going to even have a chance to stand up. A Dickie, Dickie with a smile there and a, a sort of a, an exasperated wave of the arms. It is, it, is, it is funny how it works sometimes though, isn't it? You know, clubs moan about players not scoring goals and then the players you send out on long score. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I'm sure Kidman's to Harriers fans will be looking at that and thinking, is it us? Um, but yeah, it, we, we know it happens, don't we? So, having Waterlooville are 14 points off Eastbourne Borough, who were in 20th at the minute. And it, yeah, it's fair to say Stephen King is having a horror show. Dickie, you like that one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dickie. Got to ask you about Torquay. Joe, again, I mean, they're not, it's fair to say they're not wearing. I know Rob always says, oh, you're not far off the playoffs. I mean, they're two points off the playoffs, but you're in 12th. Couple of games in hand on teams above them, but not where you want to be. And, uh, 3-0 defeat away at Dartford. Ironically, the first goal was scored by Richard Chin, which is what you've got to take the result on, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's all right saying that we've got a couple of games in hand, but we've actually got to win a game of football first. Um, so, uh, yeah, a, a really disappointing afternoon. Full credit to Dartford. I said before the game uh, that I thought it would be a difficult game, even though Dartford haven't been in form. They're a good side. You know, they've got a good manager in Alan Dowson. He, he's done well in the division before and they are in a bit of a false position. Um, and I think in at this level, it's all about trying to 
you know, chop and change your team, trying to find your settled team as you go into the second part of the season. Uh, and it looks as if he might have done that now. Two goals yesterday from two new signings for Dartford. Richard Chin joining from uh, Charlton. He got the opening goal before George Alexander. Uh, he signed before the game from Bromley. That's a really good signing. He was at uh, Slough earlier in the season, banging in some goals. And, uh, uh, you know, you you know, you're fine and dandy and... Uh, when Mo Diara pops up with a goal. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a really good win for Dartford. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as for Torquay, you know, I've banged the drum enough this season. It's just not not nowhere near. I mean, I know we're within touching, uh, you know, within a couple of points of the playoffs, but performances haven't been there. And you get a win against bottom of the league and papers over the cracks, and then you go and lose 3-0 away. So, uh, yeah, another disappointing afternoon. Big win for Western Supermare. They won away at Dover. That's meant they pull away from the relegation zone. Dale Grubb feasted on his opportunity and uh, put them ahead to give them a 1-0 win there. And that puts them five points clear of the relegation zone now, which is occupied, the last relegation spot is occupied by Truro, who lost, who won actually. They got a really good win. That last spot is occupied by Truro. They got a really good win away at playoff chasing Chelmsford. Massive win for Truro um, because I have been doubtful of them recently. I think they've struggled this season um, and uh, that's a massive win for them against the Chelmsford side who the, the fans are not uh, not exactly on board at the moment. They're really uh, difficult watch. I see yesterday the fans were moaning, uh, really struggled again. Um, two goals uh, in the second half for Truro. Sam Sanders uh, on loan from York and Harvey Greenslade either side of a Charlie Ruff goal. Uh, Dave Winfield got sent off for five minutes remaining to put another hammer blow to, for Chelmsford's prospects. And, uh, yeah, a good a good win for Truro, much needed. And I see uh, Tyler Harvey wasn't in the squad yesterday. Rumours that he uh, might be going to a team in Devon in yellow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a, a good win nonetheless for them. Can't think who that might be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Eastbourne Borough, we, talk about, we talked about Dagenham being underwhelming. Eastbourne Borough, would you say they're underwhelming, Joe? They're, they're just above the relegation spot and they lost 1-0 at Hemel. Yeah, certainly disappointing. Um, manager Mark Beard, you know, I've said before, uh, just can't get it together there. Um, really struggling with injuries, really uh, small squad. Um, available to him at the moment. They went inside David Cisse uh, from Weymouth in the week for an undisclosed fee. Rumours that apparently Eastbourne had troubled his wages from what he was on at Weymouth. Um, and uh, yeah, a disappointing, uh, another disappointing result for them away at Hamel Hempstead, Terrell Whitaker with the only goal of the game missed then. Massive game on Tuesday for Eastbourne at home against Torquay. Um, two sides struggling and uh, they need to win that one really. You don't, you don't so very confident about that, Joe. <laughs> no, um, it's uh, another game away on the 3G uh, for Torquay. Uh, not had the best record uh, in those games this season. And, uh, you know, I think for, for a team like Eastbourne, if they can get a win in a game like that, then it could be the catalyst for them to put a little run together. You know, you just got to keep trying to get wins and hope that something turns for you because it's uh, certainly not at the moment. So from south, we head north and Dickie, a really interesting day once again in the National League North. And you went to see the league leaders, Tamworth, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, 
and they had a very uh, reasonably comfortable 3-1 victory over Kingsland Town yesterday as well. Um, Tamworth, had, um, uh, they were champions of the Southern uh, Premier Central last season, um, have stepped up into this division and are making it look fairly easy, I have to say, at the moment. Um, I say a 3-1 victory yesterday. They were they had a 1-0 win in midweek too. They beat Brackley in midweek. They had to be really patient for that one, a goal in the third minute of injury time from the head of Liam Dolman, who's uh, such an important figure for them. He was on target again. Actually, in terms of playing time, the goals were probably within the space of a minute or so of one another. He scored after 40 seconds yesterday against Kings Lynn. Uh, there was a goal uh, then from Jamie Jellis before half time, which made it 2 0. Ty Deacon made it 3 0 with a, a set piece header. They did lose their clean sheet late on. Uh, a little bit of miscommunication between goalkeeper Jazz Singh and Dolman, uh, allowing substitute Jordan Ponticelli to touch one into the net but yeah it, all in all it made it a very successful and happy birthday for their manager Andy Peaks who I spoke to afterwards. Andy Peaks uh, Tamworth manager another victory today I imagine probably the only blot on your birthday um, and it is your birthday so many happy returns. Thank you. Um, was probably the loss of the clean sheet towards the end. Yeah now we like to keep clean sheets although as a management team we do get fined I've put money in each time I keep a clean sheet and I'm usually happy to so when we're free up and we can see when it's not the end of the world unless it goes down to goal differences of goal but no I thought the performance was really good from the start to the end against you know Kingsley again another big club so they keep coming thick and fast and at the minute we're batting them off we're working really really hard uh, collectively as a group and like I said I think no one could begrudge us with three points Absolutely not you know based on that performance uh, you can see you're a team with momentum everybody's working really hard for one another I was struck by things like how hard you worked to get the ball back when you lost it um, and obviously you, you, you know what your strengths are it seems and you, and you play to them very well yeah, no, we've, since I've been managing, you know, I've also I firstly treated players how I wanted to be treated as a player myself, that's with honesty and transparency, and then equally each player knows that come into the club that I expect to shift, and that doesn't matter if you're a top striker or whatever you are, everyone has to get behind the ball when the other team get it, and we count how quickly how quick we can get ball back in training, we do loads of exercises, there's not loads of running, but there's loads of possession exercise, and we, tr- we thrive on getting the ball back, and a lot of managers this year have been really complimentary saying how hard we work, so that's something we do, and obviously we set a set pieces up, we work hard, um, and I think at the minute it's like I said it's a bit of momentum when, you, when you're going well it's easy to keep coming in on a Tuesday Thursday and everyone wants to be here you've got a good atmosphere and results tend to follow at the moment we're in a good place but you know we, we've got to keep doing what we're doing Sure you're missing a few players through injury today as well so it's not necessarily what will be your first choice that's been out there today but again a comfortable victory yeah we've like I said we've probably got 20, 21, 22 players we've got a couple on line but we've got four or five who would play most weeks not playing um, but I've got a group that are all capable of coming in and, and performing well and putting a shift in for the club. That's what I want. And like I said, I'll speak to players before I sign them. They have to buy into what we're trying to do. And they're not all going to play every week, but I like them to be not bad apples. I want them to sit there and support their mates and support me and not be bitching if they're not playing. And we've created that over the last, since I've been here probably nearly two years in February. We've got a group of players that do a lot of stuff together and enjoy each other's company. I enjoy coming here. And for me, I've created that sort of atmosphere where people want to be here and then you get more out of the players. And that's what we've got at the moment. And yeah, we've got four or five players missing, but equally the ones coming in, you know, more than capable as they've shown. Sure. And I guess with that kind of momentum, that, that, that may be where you are in the league it isn't so much of a surprise to you um, I imagine it probably is a, a bit of a surprise to be you know first but at the same time w- when you've got a group that's like that good things happen don't they 
Yeah, I mean, I watched, I watched quite a few games last year. I love watching football, so I've watched a lot of games at this level last year. We played some teams at this level last year and give a good account of myself. So I knew we'd, we would be OK. Um, like I said, it was important we took the momentum from last year into this because once you start winning games, it's good because football's like that habit and you can soon get on a, a bad run as well. So I thought we'd be OK. I think we've surprised a lot of people, including myself, just how well. But we knew with the work ethic and the team spirit and the organisation and the fact we, we work hard on set pieces and I get people who want to work hard in general that I knew we'd be okay um, but it was it's a step up and to be doing as well as we're doing has surprised a lot of people um, but for me you know the remit at the start of the season was we needed to stay in the league that was what the chairman told me you know and we're definitely not safe yet but we're getting towards that point but the better you do the, the better you want to do individually you know I want to you know we're top of the league yeah I want to win the league I want to get in the playoffs I want to do whatever I'm, you know you're all set new targets because you have to be ambitious if the day I'm not ambitious is the day I won't be doing my job correctly I must just close by a quick word about um your early goal today, Liam Dolman, he's, he's probably a, got something of a cult status here, I would think, and I would also imagine when you go out at some other grounds that perhaps, you know, players, certainly fans from other teams would look at him and maybe think, you know... Um, have a negative view of him yeah. but yeah, he, he really uses his strengths exceptionally well doesn't he yeah I've had Bully for probably six seven years now because I had him four or five years at Diamonds um, when I first saw him myself I was like wow is he going to be able to play because he's bigger than most so he won't mind me saying that but he's fantastic he reads the game such a good player and yeah we go to a lot of grounds a lot of grounds we go to who don't know him we'll give him the fact this fact that the chance but he relishes it and nine times out of ten they shake his hand at the end because he is a good player and he's had a fantastic week he wasn't playing for quite a few games because the other centre half was doing really well he gets an opportunity he's had a fantastic weekend and that's what we're trying to, that's why I keep people happy because there'll be opportunities and football changes quickly so you've got to sit and wait your chance and then be involved and yeah he epitomises what we're all about sure yeah winning goal on Tuesday against Brackley of course. absolutely yeah Yeah, Andy really appreciate speaking to you uh, we hope to be back here later in the season when uh, hopefully yeah you're still up towards the top that's the plan thanks a lot nice to meet you what I like from Andy Peaks' interview is that the uh, basically because he didn't keep a clean sheet he doesn't have to cough up so I'm guessing that um when you're 3-0 up, you can almost will the other team on, can't you? <laughs> yes, a little bit. But uh, no, I mean, I, I thought, uh, I, I looked at things yesterday and, you know, we have to have a word for Kings Lynn as well. Um, they're under new management. Adam Lakeland's been in there a few weeks now. They're a much changed team from when I've seen them in the past. They look a much younger team. Um, I think Ben Stevens looks a good player up front, but they look... Um, they've remained full-time and I think it's probably being full-time that might be one of the attractions that, that took Adam Lakeland to there, the ability to work with players every day. But they are a very young group and I think, as we know, with young groups of players, they're going to be highs and there's going to be lows. Um, and unfortunately, yesterday, they came up against a Tamworth team who um, looked very clear about... Um, they they know what their jobs are, they know what their strengths are and they know how to win football matches. And to be honest, from... That forty-second goal that went in yesterday from Dolman, that he only looked like it was ever going to end one way. The game of the day when I was looking at the fixtures uh, before the start of play was South Shield against Chester, and I thought that really stood out for me. And and L Edwards was on the score sheet for Chester. It wasn't me, unfortunately, um, but it was <laughs> Liam Edwards, and he bagged the winner in a big win for Chester up in the northeast. Yes, it is. Um, Chester do seem to be finding their form. Uh, at last, it's taken a little while, but they've been on a good run uh, lately. Um, and, you know, not an easy place to go, South Shields. They are in the playoff places. They are still, you know, bouncing along on the uh, the back of that promotion last season. Um, 
but I think Chester now, um, having struggled a bit at the start to live up to their billing as promotion uh, contenders, are moving ominously into position in that uh, in those playoff places. Yeah. So Scunthorpe, they've uh, obviously their problems are starting to ease, aren't they, in terms of obviously the new ownership and they've, they've got good news about the ground now. And I think that weight off the shoulders now is really seeing them flex their muscles and they got a, a good win over Warrington, only 1-0. They don't seem to be scoring as many goals as they did in the last few weeks, but Warrington are always a tough nut to crack, aren't they, Dickie? And in the end, it was Cal Roberts. He's had a really unfortunate couple of seasons. He was stretched off the other week and people feared for him, but he seems to be okay now and he bagged the winner. He did. He, he popped in the winner yesterday. I think it sounded like it was a, a close-range effort, not a typical Callum Roberts goal, given um, how good he is from distance and how good he is from set pieces. They've had to grind out results in their last couple of games. They had a 1-0 win in midweek over a Southport side. You've become a lot harder to break down under Jim Bentley. Um, and yeah, a 1-0 victory yesterday as well of a, of a similar nature by the sound of things. But again, it's, it's a sign of a, a good team that you can get the results where, even when the other team come I can't say that I know for certain that their opponents came to shut up shop, but given how many goals Scunthorpe have been scoring at home on occasion, you know, you, you, you've got to go there and keep it tight. Um, but they've shown that, you know, they, they can find a way through um, and get the points, which is important. Yeah, surprisingly, fourth and fifth are Curzon Ashton and Charlie Curzon got a 1-0 win really late away at Banbury through Hayden Campbell. And Charlie drew 2-2 at Boston and he had to come from behind as well in that one. Yeah, they did. Uh, Boston um, into a 2-0 lead there. Um, that would be a much... Well, Boston went down to a 1-0 defeat at home to Rushall Olympic in midweek, which brought out um, a lot of the uh, dissatisfaction that is there is within the Boston fan base. I think, you know, that look, they'd love having a new stadium and whatever, but they're just really disappointed that they don't have a team to match it at the moment. Again, it's a sort of hybrid system there under Ian Culverhouse, quite a young group of players. So they are getting these ups and downs, but they were undone um, by Rushall in midweek. Um, great response from them to get into a 2-0 lead yesterday, but Ian Culverhouse is going to be disappointed clearly about the fact that they've then let that slip um, to only draw 2-2. Uh, there were goals in that one for uh, Joy Rowe and then uh, uh, Keaton Ward in the 51st minute, but uh, yeah, levelers in the 87th and the 90th minute, which probably makes it even worse that it comes so late. Uh, yeah, Joe Nolan with one, and then oh, go on, uh, go on. It would have to be Carlton. Um, I'm going to have to see this written down. Uh, I think it's. I think it's something like that. I will take your, I'm not going to say I'll take your word for it, but yeah, I know he was at Farsley Celtic last season. I struggled with his name. Uh, Colton Ubezunonu, I'm going to go with. Um, yeah, he got a 90th minute goal um, and his name won't be on the lips of Boston United fans. Uh, certainly not on my lips either, but uh, yeah, he got a value, very valuable point for his side. And a high score in... Uh... In Scrabble as well, if you put his name down, you, you get about 50 points for that, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, Spennymore's still in the playoffs. They're on a, a really rotten run at the minute, aren't they? I mean, uh, they're not pulling up any trees at all. It's, it's um, one win in their last six, and they went down 4-2 at Gloucester, who 
are really struggling. There's a lot of discontent at Gloucester, but it seemed like a comfortable win for them by four goals to two. Yeah, there was a statement from the uh, the Gloucester City supporters uh, club or trust. I can't remember exactly which one in the week, um, raising some concerns about the way things were happening down at the club. And, you know, it's understandable when, when they've... Um, lived without a home ground for so long and then finally got back to Gloucester and thought that good times were uh, potentially on the way back. It, it's all that the rug's been taken from under their feet, really. Um, this was a really important win for Gloucester. They, they uh, had a 2-0 lead by half-time. Brandon Smalley getting their first goal. Uh, and then there was a goal, I think, for Joe Hanks. He'd been away from the club, but he returned in the summer. He got a penalty in the fourth minute of first half injury time uh, there was then a goal early in the second half from Tyrone Duffus that had them 3-0 up and they're cruising by that point um, did get a bit of a reaction from Spenny Moore then which is uh, that was needed uh, Mark Anderson getting one of those and the second one uh, from Ben Hockenhall but yeah Gloucester made it safe late on in the game with a fourth goal there and uh, uh, I think that was Luke Cross quite possibly with the goal Liam Cross with a goal. My apologies, Liam, getting you confused with somebody else. Um, yeah, really important win for Gloucester, that one. Um, it, and, you know, just the fact that they've bagged four goals, I think, will be good for them. But, yeah, it's a, that's a pretty uh, rank result for spending more that one there. They're, I think, that you know, they're still in the, 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 the higher placings of the table, but their form is inconsistent. I wonder if it's a little bit of a small squad up there at the moment that, that that's the issue. Yeah, it sounds uh, similar to rank, that result, doesn't it? But uh... <laughs> Yes, uh, if you put a, a northeastern spin on it, maybe it sounds a little closer. It's, it's funny you mention about discontent at Boston because they're in 10th and they're only a point off the final playoff spot and they're level on points with Scarborough and Alfredson, who everyone thinks are doing really, really well. Although Alfredson lost at home to Brackley, so Brackley leapfrogged them. Gareth Dean, who's in charge at the end of last season, of course, uh, he's just back as a player. He got the winner there. And then Scarborough, I love this, five different scorers for them as they beat Bishop Startford. Rutledge, Wellergy, Barnes, Colville and Green all on target. Scarborough, actually, the division's form team at the moment. Um, I had a quick look at the form table earlier uh, and just having a look through Scarborough, one defeat in their last six, three wins on the bounce. Um they looked like they were having a little bit of second season syndrome at this level earlier on. And of course, in between um, all these good results in the league, they did have their FA Cup exit. Um, but yeah, uh, Jonathan Greening's got them moving back in the right direction again. I have to say the only defeat in that six game sequence as well was against Tamworth, the league leaders. So maybe that's not a, you know, the, the worst of results to, uh, you know, it, yeah, clearly it's a defeat, but, you know, you're losing to the league leaders. Um, big boost for them yesterday. Another hammer blow for Bishop Stortford. It's the kind of away journeys that, you know, we've spoken about at length, about, you know, having to make that trek all the way up to the east coast of Yorkshire. And they've had to make a very miserable trip back home, um, having been pe absolutely pasted. A good result for Peterborough Sports. They, uh, their long trip to Blyde was fruitful as they leapfrogged. <laughs> their opponents and they won 3-2 up there yes they did and they uh, burst into two goal lead Peter Sports uh, away from home yesterday goals from uh, their 
Uh, well, he's a uh, joint manager, Michael Gash. He had them ahead after 13 minutes. Dion Sembi Ferris, he came back to the club on loan from Scunthorpe uh, a few weeks ago. He got the second after 38. There was a response from Blythe, uh, JJ O'Donnell in the 54th minute, and then Cedric Main in the 56th. So a very quick turnaround back to two each. But Sembi Ferris put the nail into Blythe's coffin with a goal in the 86th minute, his second of the game. And yeah, Peterborough Sports will be thrilled to be leaving the northeast uh, and you know a long journey to look forward to on the road but looking forward to it with three points uh, Blythe their form is pretty poor at the moment they've fallen away after a, a really good start to the season um, they they do this Blythe they, they seem to get off to a, a good start but there's no win in their last six for them uh, four draws in there admittedly but yeah they're, they're not um, sort of setting the standards they were setting earlier in the season Another uh, long trip, this time for Russell, uh, as they went up to Darlington. And uh, a better point for them than the hosts, you feel? Yes, you would think so. You know, it's it, that's the kind of uh, going away to uh, Darlington, long-distance game, and coming back with a point um, is an excellent result for Russell. Um, there was a goal from Callum Griffiths for Darlington in the 40th minute for that one. So that had Josh Gowling's side ahead. Um, but yeah, unfortunately for them, they couldn't get it done. They remain in trouble towards the bottom of the table. I mean, it's going to take a lot for them to get out of trouble now. So I think we're going to be talking about them um, in those relegation places, probably for the rest of the season now, unless something really dramatic happens. There was a goal for uh, Aidan George, who's just signed for Rushall only just a couple of weeks ago from Alva Church. He got them level at 1-1. And I would think Liam McDonald's side will be the much happier with their point there than Josh Gowling's. Buxton and Southport mid-table, but only three and four points respectively from the playoffs. It was Southport who won by a goal to nil. Mikey O'Neill with a fourth-minute goal there. And then Farsley and Hereford in 13th and 16th drew nil-nil. So that point does neither side either good, really. No, it doesn't. Um, I mean, a good good win yesterday for Southport. O'Neill's been a bit of a, a find this season. Buxton's form going a little bit backwards at the moment. I know that I've spoken about them as being dark horses um, for promotion, but they're not looking like that at the moment. They're, they are lacking consistency. Farsley, Hereford, uh, I don't know. I suppose if we'd looked at the fixtures at the start of the day and said, if you can find me a nailed on nil-nil, that might have been the one I'd gone for. Um, again, you'd think that Hereford would be happier travelling back uh, with a point from that one than Farsley will be um, you know, from a home game, it's the kind of home game that Farsley would be looking to win. Real, well that is it. Thank you very much for joining us, Dickie. You're very welcome. Always good to have your company. Joe, uh, thanks for joining us. Cheers. Don't forget to follow us on X, as it's now known, at NL Full Time, and we are NL Full Time as well on Instagram. So subscribe, because that way, as soon as we upload the episode, it ends up on your device and you can listen to it to your heart's content. Until then, have a great week, and we'll see you all very soon. I'll play the theme tune now.